Gentlemen, guys, and girls, welcome to an extremely special installment of the Daily Degenerate Podcast, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. This is number five of the 32 teams in 32 episodes featuring the New York Jets season preview. I am joined on Skype with uh, my man Mark Lanzer from the Degenerate um, Sports Shit Talk Facebook page. I think you're in the sports merger too, aren't you? Are you also in the sports merger? No, I'm not. Yeah, the sports merger. I I, I know like 10 of the people that I'm doing teams with, I met them on the sports merger and the other 10 are from Daily Degenerate. It's hard to keep up. There's so many damn Facebook pages with 1,500 oh, people in them. It's hard to keep wrong. up. You're not wrong. So Mark, not- um, how you doing? You're up in Kings Park, New York, which is in Long Island. Yep, I'm on the uh, North Shore, Long Island, uh, halfway between the East End and Manhattan. Um, well, right now I'm hanging in there. Uh, you know, I'm not working at the moment. I'm a school custodian, and, uh, you know, I'm just waiting to get back to work. Things are absolutely hectic up here. It's um, it's pretty chaotic. So, But, you know, doing the best I can and uh, taking it one day at a time. Yeah, it's all you can do. I'm in the same boat as you. I'm a valet at a pretty popular mall in um, not downtown Atlanta, but the Northern Financial District. And I'm not working. Um, I am not. I'm a homebody, but I am someone who also enjoys getting out for the day and working and then coming back home. I, I do miss working. I'm ready to get back to work, but not at the expense of everybody else in Atlanta, so to speak. So that's where we're at yeah. with COVID-19. Watch Atlanta. Georgia's on the upswing, but we are about to open back up, so expect our numbers to kind of take another dip. Um, Mark, we're here to talk about your New York Jets. Right now on Skype, I am rocking the number 22 Matt Forte Jets jersey, the home greens. And I like Matt Forte because of Tulane, Tulane Greenway, probably the best player in Tulane Greenway history. Um, I wear this jersey all the time, like uh, two years ago for St. Patrick's Day. I'm not quite sure if you've ever heard of uh, Savannah, Georgia, but they are kind of like an Irish port town uh, in South Georgia. And I I went there for uh, St. Patty's Day. I felt so bad because all the Jets fans would walk up to me, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. (laughs) And I didn't know it until then. So I I was tired of telling people, I'm not really a Jets fan. The jersey's just green and I love Matt Forte. But what I did was I learned the chant and I acted like I was a Jets fan for the sake of you and your friends. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know what? Like, uh, we have a St. Patrick's Day parade up here in Kings Park every year. Um, and it's usually like one of the first parades that they throw on Long Island. We were lucky to have one before the whole pandemic hit. So, yeah. And every year I always uh, rock my Jet swag for that parade. And you can tell who's a Jet fan, like, right away because everyone else does too. Every. 
fucking Jets fan in Savannah, Georgia, and and there were people that came that came down from you know the the, the middling states, Kentucky, Ohio, because Savannah's a pretty big parade. I don't think they had it this year because of the because uh, the pandemic. I think it was like right. They were so close to having it, but they didn't. But every uh, single fan would walk up to me, J E T S, like you guys are a very <laughs> proud fan base. You and the yes, Eagles, you guys you know, are the we're, Eagles. we're dedicated. We're, but you know what? Like, there are times where it's just like I feel like a masochist for crying out loud. Like, oh uh, man, you know, I, I always say that the acronym for Jets is just endure the suffering, but uh, you know, uh, have you ever I heard the Falcons one? Me. Have you ever heard the Falcons abbreviation? No, no, fans I always count. Uh, it's like fans always left counting on next year or something. Like it's like <laughs> a, a next season. Falcons always left counting on next season. Uh, I've never heard of that one before. Mm, yeah. So um, I feel you on the lover of pain. I always feel like an idiot every year for the, being a Falcons fan, but can't help where I was born. Can't help who I like. Yeah. Well, you know what? Like. It, I kind of feel like better off that I haven't seen my team blow it in the Super Bowl because, oh uh, man, I thought you guys had it twenty eight. We, we, we did have it, and then the Patriots just happened. Yeah. So, Mark, let's talk a little bit about last year. Uh, seven and nine finished third in the AFC East. They had some pretty bad losses, like losing to the Patriots in Week Seven, oh thirty three, losing to Cleveland in Week Two, three to twenty three. And then um, week five in Philadelphia or in New York against Philadelphia, six to thirty-one. Um, what was the reason for the slow start last year? Why were you guys getting blown out early in the season? Um, well, week one, you can go back to the Buffalo game, and we were up like what seventeen, like sixteen to three against them. And then C.J. Mosley, who we paid big bucks to, he gets hurt in that uh, third quarter. Next thing you know, Jets lose 17-16. Two days later, Sam Darnold, diagnosed with mono. That killed us. Talk, then, talk, talk a little bit about the mono situation because we're not in New York's media market. And the only thing that we really heard about the mono was what Barstool would, would put up about him kissing girl, you know, the funny stuff. What was really the deal with the, with the mono? You know, I don't think anybody really knows. He could have gotten it anywhere. Yeah. Um, the fact of the matter is after he got diagnosed with mono and he was, you know, put on the shelf. And then that week two game when Miles Garrett basically – uh, snap Trevor Simeon's ankle in half, yep. and we're going to Luke Falk, you know, we were dead in the water. Yep. We were dead in the water. And, you know, um, the Cowboy win, that, like, when Sam came back, that was the beginning of them starting to gain a little bit of momentum. We started, like, what, one and seven? We ended seven and nine. That yep. gives me hope for next year. Yep. Falcons are in the same boat. We started one and seven, then finished uh, six and two in the second half. So finished seven and nine. Give us a little bit of momentum to carry into the next year. Um, let's talk about Adam Gase. What is your right, well, uh, what what is listen, your opinion on Adam Gase being the Jets head coach? Listen, right now, like the jury is still out on him. Um, Every Jet fan, including myself, when we were one and seven, um, I wanted his head on a stake. Yep. I wanted him run out of town. Everybody did. There, the fire Adam Gase banners flying over the stadium. Um, I love New York. You guys are. You, you guys can actually generate enough front office pressure to get him out of town. Oh yeah, and there were 
there were billboards up on the New Jersey Turnpike. Mm-hmm. Um, we were we were obviously not happy with him at that point, but the fact that we did rally and finish seven and nine gives me a little bit of hope. Um, but like I said, the jury is still out on him. He has to prove that he can, you know, really um, make Sam Darnold a great quarterback. Um, all we hear is that Adam Gase is an offensive guru. Well, this year he has to prove it. Yes, he does. No buts. Uh, and I feel like the the fact that the Miami Dolphins with Adam Gase kind of outperformed their their slot kind of didn't do a service to you guys getting Adam Gase as your head coach. I wouldn't go as far to say I think Adam Gase is an offensive guru. I do think he is very creative. I think he can draw guys open. Um, talk about his, his his clockwork, his time management, timeouts, playing chess during the football games. I mean, honestly, I really don't have uh, a lot of issues with like his play calling mm-hmm. or his um, timeout abilities. It's just um, he. Uh, it, there are times when you know it'll be like, come on, like you can't yeah. get like too vanilla, like you know, like run, run, pass, punt, offense, and stuff like that. That drives me up a wall, man. Especially in, in today's NFL, when playmakers are so good, you don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, you had to do that in the 50s, whenever there was one good player on each team, the rest of the guys were just big. But now, right. we're we're in a complex league, defenses are the, at the best they've ever been, scouting is the best it's ever been, you cannot get too vanilla in today's NFL. Well, and, and that's another thing, like, um, what I really like about the Jets coaching staff is Greg Williams. Mm-hmm. He is predictably unpredictable. Like, we don't run a 3-4 or a 4-3. We will run a 6-2. Like, there is no set, like, it depends defensive week to week. formation. Yeah, um, the, the Falcons do that, too, but we're not very good at it. <laughs> well, I mean, Dan Quinn better be uh, on his A game with that shit. <laughs> Dan Quinn's A game is probably Greg Williams' C game. That's... The, that that's the concern is the fact that the Falcons have had in, in this window with Dan Quinn, we've had a little bit of playoff success. We've been a decently respectable team, but we've only had one top 10 defense and that was ranked at 10th. And that was a Super right. Bowl year. So it's these defensive gurus that we find just kind of the same thing with you guys and Adam Gase. It, we, we think he's an offensive guru. We're, well, can you show me please? Can you actually show well, me something? To, and that was the same thing when we had Todd Bowles as our head coach, you know? It, th- th- this is the embarrassing fact of a cold take, and I still don't think it's a cold take, but it's a cold take that I'll take to the grave with me. Um, <laughs> Todd Bowles and Dan Quinn were in the same coaching pool hire uh, the same year. What was it, 13 or 14? Um, I, Todd I, Bowles got hired in 2015. 15. So I actually wanted Todd Bowles instead of Dan Quinn to be the Falcons head coach. I, I, I'd actually written a few articles about it. So I, the, you're talking to someone who who loves Todd Bowles. I love him in the spot that he's he's in now. Uh, with I don't like Todd Bowles. I loved him in 2015. Um, that one year when we had Fitzpatrick and yep. we were just beyond like brilliant. You know, ten and six. You're thinking, oh, we're going to the playoffs. Yep. You know, I went up to that Week 17 game in Buffalo in a snowstorm, um, and even if we had lost just gotten like one or two other teams to win, gotten a little bit of help and we would have gotten into the playoffs. No but nope, didn't happen. Didn't happen. 
So um, Adam Gase isn't on your shit list just yet. He's still, he's still, the seat's not hot. Um, the jury is still out. Um, I got to see improvement from him. If, if he's just going to prove to me that he's like just one of those like forever 500 coaches, like a Jeff Fisher, then, you know, but I got to give him at least this year before I can really determine whether he's, um, you know, good or not. Okay. Um, let's shift the conversation to, to the same sentiment, but about Sam Darnold. The way you're talking to me makes it feel makes me feel like you think Sam Darnold is the quarterback of the future for the Jets. Do you think that he is the franchise guy? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, I actually expect Sam Darnold to have a breakout season this year. Um, I wish that we could have gotten a little bit more um, – wide receiver oriented in the draft. I mean, I love the Denzel Mims um, draft pick, but you know, he he needs more weapons and Joe Douglas should have addressed that in the draft, but especially losing Robbie Anderson. But if I remember correctly, you're not, you're not very fond of Robbie Anderson. No, actually, you know what? I liked Robbie Anderson. Um, I think losing him really sucks to be honest with you, but Replacing him with uh, Brashard Perryman, you know, that's an an equal trade-off. It's it's an upgrade, a a little bitty bit of an upgrade. Yeah, well, the problem is the Jets, we really don't have that number one wide receiver, you know? No, you don't. Hopefully Mims can be that guy, but, you know, uh, I worry about, like, you know, great wide receiver picks like – I don't want him to be like, you know, another Stephen Hill. Like, we all remember Stephen Hill. He was an absolute bust. Yep. I actually think that y'all's wide receiver room is pretty good, but I think that your sentiment about not having a a, a true number one is absolutely correct. Um, I like Rashad Perriman. I like Quincy Anunwa. I like Jamison Crowder a lot. I like Josh Dodson. I like Josh well, Bellamy from Chicago. Like I, you know, the, the room thing is good. Is, it's just, you, you just need one number you just one guy. Mentioned it. And what? Nobody really knows what's going to happen with him um, because you know he did suffer another neck injury. His career could damn well be over. Yeah. So, sure could. It is what it is. I mean, I, I think we do have um, and I believe we also made another um. Uh, a couple undrafted uh, free agents. I think we signed a wide receiver or two. Um, I, I, I'll have to look that up, but, um, you know, the more the merrier. And if we can, you know, find another diamond in the rough, that'd be perfect. But, you know, we really haven't had, like, that slam dunk number one wide receiver since Keyshawn. Let's see. Well, I got the undrafted free agents up right here. Point for Santonio or Braylon Edwards, but so uh, this one actually hits pretty close to home. Undrafted free agent Georgia wide receiver Lawrence Cager. A lot of guys around town here because I'm in I'm in dog country down here. A lot of guys in dogs country love Lawrence Cager. Huh? I I thought he would be drafted, so I think that you guys got a pretty good undrafted free agent in Lawrence Cager, wide receiver. Yeah, well, you know, I think another. undrafted free agent that we might have uh, hit a little bit of gold on because we've got issues at cornerback with depth. Um, that would be Lamar Jackson. Not that Lamar Jackson. Yeah, the new Lamar Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I-, I thought he'd be drafted too. Yeah. 
He was, um, I, I remember I was watching like picks 270, whatever, and he was on the, the, the big board as one of the next best players available. So I, I thought he would have at least been drafted. Oh, I, I thought he should have been drafted at least in the sixth round, but. Yeah. So that's a uh, steal. Um, what is the biggest position of weakness for the Jets right now after the draft? Um, that's a good question. I'm going to actually still say corner. Um, we do need, we do need some secondary help. Um, but we have gotten a little bit more depth there. Like I mentioned the whole Lamar Jackson, uh, undrafted signing. Um, the kid hall looks like he might be, uh, the real deal, but Bryce Hall, I, 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 I like that pick, but you know, it's a far cry. Like, you know, I was kind of spoiled like 10 years ago when we had Darrell Revis in his prime and Antonio Cromartie. Mm-hmm. Like, we had two shutdown corners. No wonder why we went to the AFC title game two years in a row. Yep. Um, Out of all the guys that you guys have brought in in free agency, like Brashad Perriman, Patrick Onyewasar, Pierre Desir, Greg Van Roten, Connor McGiven, George Fant. Who is your favorite free agent that you guys have brought in? I have to say probably Perriman. Um, I really think that he um, he has a chance to show some real true potential. Um, we needed to replace Robbie Anderson. Uh, I do like the I do like the George Fant signing. Me too, a lot. Um, because Here's the thing. Um, Makai Becton, who we picked uh, number 11 overall, mm-hmm. um, he can play left tackle. He can play right tackle. Fan could play left or fan could play right. They can, you know, they've got a little bit of flexibility there. So fan right now on the, on the, on the depth chart shows that he is not a starter. Do you think George fan comes in and starts, takes over maybe for Chuma Idoga? Yeah. I mean, that that's going to be a decision that um, Gase is going to have to make. Uh, Chuma Adoga, I was really not impressed with him last year, but at the same time, I think like you know he was still you know gaining his wings, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, because you know he was a rookie, he needs to get assimilated. Um, you can't really judge uh, rookie players um, on their performance in one year. It's no, a small sample. They they say that the biggest jump from college to the pros is just like basketball. It's the speed of the game. It's the it's the difference in timing clocks. It's the actually getting out there and doing things within that timed bracket. So exactly, rookies. And, and you can't like be mad at a rookie for not getting his foot. Majors. Well, you know? yeah, I and and you also have to think about Greg Van Roten where is he going to play cuz it says right here he's he's not starting right now either is he going to take Brian Winter's job at the guard or I hope so yeah. I hope so because I am not a Brian Winter's fan I actually I've given him the nickname the walking penalty flag um there are just so many times and I've seen it time and time again where he'll commit like a holding call um and it's not that he commits too many penalties it's that he always seems to do crap like that at the worst time possible. In, in crunch times, like like whenever you guys get a breakaway touchdown, it'll get called back because he held. Yeah, either that or on a third and short. Third and two. And, and, yeah. And, and then going to third and 12 or third and seven is a killer. 
Exactly. Exactly. And uh, I really, I, I hope he gets, you know, I hope he gets sent packing. Um, I also think that Pierre Desir, the, the, bringing him in from the Colts to play cornerback is really good. You said that you guys have a need at corner. I think bringing him in does does a, a long way of uh, of helping sure up the cornerback position, especially in the nickel. Um, right. So you lost Robbie Anderson. You talked about how big that is. You lost Demarius Thomas, which he didn't really do all that much for the Jets last year. Um, losing Brandon Copeland. I think losing Tom Compton is is, is a big loss. Um, yeah. Brent Cavale, uh, Maurice Kennedy, Daryl Roberts, Trumaine Johnson. You guys lost a lot of defensive pieces. Yeah, we did. We definitely did. But um, I think we uh, pretty much addressed like a lot of our needs in the draft this year. Um, if you really want like an honest grade from me on what Joe Douglas did, I'll give him a solid B. I mean, they're, you know, like I said, if we had gotten another wide receiver um, and bolstered that position up in the draft, we would have been fine. But uh, all in all, I think he did a good job. Yeah, me too. Looking at the draft picks right now, um, I messaged you after the first round. I said, I love the Makai Becton pick. I think he's a really mean football player, and I think he just oh, he's a plug, plug and play. You can just put him anywhere. Um, I also think the na name recognition of Denzel Mims, LaMichael P. Ryan, James Morgan was really good. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I, I would give the Jets draft a solid B or B+. Plus. Yeah. I mean, the James Morgan pick kind of had me scratching my head at first, but Backup quarterback is definitely a need. I uh, would have rather gone the free agency route and brought in like maybe a guy like Joe Flacco or a Cam Newton. But, I mean, I looked at James Morgan's highlights. The kid's got a cannon of an he arm. Does. He does. You know, and he's very tall, too. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even realize that he's actually a couple months older than Sam Darnold. I didn't know that either. I, I, that's odd as hell. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, I really think that the addition of the second, third round pick and the three fourth round picks really did you guys good. Um, I'm a fan of moving up in the draft like that, like getting a bunch of picks in the early rounds and not that many picks late. Um, I think the name recognition in, in, in y'all's draft was really good. I think the fact that you guys filled some team needs and had a really diverse draft was really good. Um, I'm kind of with you. I may not have taken a quarterback later in this draft. I didn't like a bunch of the quarterbacks late in this draft. Um, maybe next year is when you want to start looking at backup quarterbacks. I might have also went free agency. But from just uh, the, these list of names, like Mekhi Becton, Denzel Mims, Ashton Davis, Jabari Zuniga from Florida. I really love Zuniga. Um, Michael P. Ryan from Florida. I love him too. I saw him play several games this year because of you know being in the South college football. You see a lot of that. I think that yeah. the name recognition and that the value of the guys was really good this year for you guys. You guys ha had a really good draft. Yeah, uh, you know, like I said, I think we had a really good draft too. Um, Ashton Davis, you know, if there's one player that reminds me of what he was, um, look at Jim Leonard. If you think about it, because he, he was all over the place, like – Jim Leonard could play safety. He could play nickel. Yep. He could play corner. Yep. They had him like he was like a visa everywhere you want to be. Mm -hmm. Kind of like the uh, Isaiah Isaiah Simmons that was drafted this year. He had more than ten defensive snaps played at every position except for D tackle. Really? Yep. That's mm -hmm. incredible. Yep. It was everything except for D tackle. I think he played like fourteen spots on the D line. 
um, 300 something in corner, 200 something in the nickel, and then, you know, 300 something in safety. Like, you could literally put him anywhere. Yeah. Well, well, you know what? That's like, you know, you, you kind of need guys like that on a team, like a jack of all trades. Yep. And both sides of the ball, like, you look at a guy like Taysom Hill for the Saints, you know. It's, it's a gimmick player, but you see if you can utilize that gimmick and if you force their hand like Sean Payton does with Taysom Hill, it's really effective, especially in short bursts like he does. Yeah, yeah, I don't you're not that, wrong. I don't think Taysom Hill is anything close to a franchise quarterback, but I think the gadgets that he brings to the table, if you, can, if you utilize them enough like Sean Payton does, I think he can be extremely useful. Agreed. Agreed 100%, man. So, uh, who's your favorite draft pick? Becton? Yeah, it's got to be Becton. I mean, the guy is a beast. Um, I don't know if you saw that video of him pushing that truck up the hill. Up the hill, yeah. I was like, when I saw that, I was like, holy shit, this guy is an animal. That's a football like, player. I'm hoping that he can be the next to Brickishaw Ferguson. We had Brick for 10 years. The guy only missed one snap in his entire career. One snap? One snap. Holy I'm shit. hoping that he is the next to Brickishaw Ferguson. You can look it up. He played 10 years, 160 starts. One snap missed. God almighty, I did not know that. Well, On defense, that's incredible. Know. Yeah, I mean... That, that's what I'm hoping for. If we can strike gold like that. And the fact is, you know, Joe Douglas, he played college football at Richmond and was an offensive lineman. So I'd like to think that he knows a thing or two about picking, uh, you know, winners yep. at that position. Yep. Um, so we talked about who we've lost. Um, I think losing Tom Compton is big. Um, go, he, he's going to the 49ers. Uh, Brent Cavale is also big. Losing two pieces off the old O-line. But overall, I think you guys got better in the offseason. The guys that you brought in were a little bit better than the guys that you've lost, maybe with the exception of Robbie Anderson, um, which I don't know. I, I literally just said that I think Perriman is a little bit better than Anderson, which uh, I've had Anderson in fantasy for the past two years, and it's, it's, it's boom or bust with him sometimes. But mm. on the boom weeks, you are really happy he's on your team. Um, yeah. So I see right here that you guys are right at $18 million in cap space. That is not including the money being used to sign the draft class. Is there anybody that, that, that free agency wise that you, that you kind of have your eye on? Um, right now, I think at this point we're still kind of strapped on uh cash free agency wise. I, I think we're kind of done with the free agency market. Um, you have to remember that the money that we dished out to Le'Veon Bell and C.J. Mosley really kills us. Yeah. Um, and whatever money we do have left, we're going to have to, you know, use to help pay Jamal Adams down the road. So that, that leads me into my next question. Will Jamal Adams be a New York Jet at the end of this year, beginning of next year? Um. Well, he'll be a Jet at the end of next year. Apparently, they're using their fifth-year option on him. I just read that on Pro Football Talk about an hour ago. Okay. So, I'm thinking that they'll probably extend him. Um, Joe Douglas has said on the record he wants Jamal as a Jet for life. 
I want Jamal Adams as a Jet for life. I think Jamal Adams wants to be a Jet for life. It's either that or he wants to go to Dallas. Who doesn't, though? <laughs> it seems like every defensive well, – yeah, me neither, but it seems like every defensive <laughs> player in the NFL just wants to go to Dallas for some reason. Yeah, well, it is what it is. <laughs> you can't do much about that. Yeah, I, I, I wish I had the media market that Dallas had. Um, Jamal Adams. Yeah. Do you think he is the best safety in the NFL at this point? Capital letters, yes. Me too. He is a stud. Absolutely. I, I, I have never seen a safety that impressive. Um, he too, like uh, the safety blitzes and um, the fact that he can be a ball hawk. Um, if you look at that one play against the Giants back in November when he just literally whipped the ball out of Daniel Jones's hands, mm-hmm. that was like unbelievable. That, that dude, like, listen, Jamal Adams is the textbook definition of an impact player. Yep, he sure is. The instinct, the athleticism, the technique, all of it is close to flawless. I would, listen, if I was Joe Douglas, and I'm no salary capologist, but I would back the Brinks truck up into his driveway there should today. Be no, there should be no negotiations. What he asked for, you give it to him. Exactly. Uh, agreed. I think Jamal Adams is really good. I think it would be a shame, not only for Jets Nation, but for him to leave New York, because it does seem like he wants to be here. Yeah. Well, you know what? Revis wanted to be here too, but we we couldn't pay him. We had no other option but to trade him to the Buccaneers, if you remember. What would you do? Would you, would, like, let, let's say that, that you pick up his last year option. Would it be a trade situation or or, or would it be a cut situation? Uh, it would probably have to be a parting of the ways, but at this point, like, you know, I don't know what the, um, I don't know what our cap space is going to look like going into next year. Mm -hmm. You have to, I'm assuming that Le'Veon Bell is gone. Me too. So that's going to be some cap space that gets freed up. Um, CJ Mosley could be gone. That'll be more cap space. They might not be able to get a deal with him done until the end of the season. And, or and, and usually can... that's bad. Usually that, that, that doesn't bode so well for teams that have to wait longer. There's more of a chance that the player's gone. Exactly. And I'm thinking that maybe, you know, they'll sit down with Jamal and be like, listen, we can't pay you this year, but we're going to do this, this, and that. And we'll give you whatever you want in the off season. As long as the player knows that he's being taken care of, and it's almost a guarantee that he will be taken care of, that's that's what you want to shoot for. Because when exactly. because whenever you pay player A, then player B right behind him gets jealous or feels some type of way about not being taken care of. So you have to do all those front office moves, kind of like a ghost. That way, you don't offend anybody or step on anybody's toes. Yeah, yeah, that's basically um, the gist of it, you know? Okay. Um, The offense was extremely inconsistent last year. We touched on that because of the injury to Sam Sam Darnold and just the overall slow start that you got off to. Realistically, not talking about records or anything like that, but realistically, what will be the improvement in the offense? Um... 
Well, the offensive line is uh, first and foremost. I definitely think we upgraded there. You did. And the fact that we upgraded the offensive line will give Sam Darnold a lot more time to throw the ball. Um, hopefully, they'll uh, be able to, you know, make holes for Le'Veon, and uh, we can go from there. Um, that That's really the sticking point. It, it, it's the O-line. Um the fact that we upgraded there, um, the possibilities are endless, you know? With a young quarterback who has, a, in my opinion, a good offensive stable, upgrading the O-line is the best thing you can do for him. Giving him that extra second to a second and a half to throw the football is, is, is almost, you can't even quantify that. Because young guys, it's the speed of the game that really gets them. And if you're getting chased around the whole time as a rookie and second-year quarterback, your career will not last very long. For Sam oh, Donald yeah. to be successful, you have to give him time in the pocket to make those reads that we've heard so much that he's so very good at. Exactly. And, you know, the problem is when he, when he doesn't get that protection, and it's the one bugaboo I have about Sam Donald, he gets happy feet, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. The more time that he has, you know, in the pocket, the more he can do. That's really that, that's really all it needs to be said. Yeah, because because you even raised the question about, oh, well, maybe the wide receiver room got a little bit worse. And maybe it did because you lost Demarius Thomas along with it, who is a name decoy. Let's let's be honest, in this stage of his career. Um, I still think that the wide receiver room is really good. It's not a lead or anything, but it's really good. Um, and I think having Le'Veon is really good. Even um, Le'Veon, his best game of the year last year was in week seven against, or in week six against Dallas. Um, yeah. That's, to me, with, in this stage of Sam Darnold's career where he's not where you would hope he would be yet, but he's still good enough to make throws and to make good decisions, that's the way your offense should look. 30 exactly. carries for Le'Veon Bell, keep the ball away from the Cowboys, make Sam Darnold make the throws that he has to make, but don't put undue pressure on him that that game that i watched of of because that was a one o'clock game i remember it was kind of weird and the falcons played at four so i actually watched that whole game that was the jets offense that we that actually be the prototype to me you, you didn't score that many points but you also didn't give the ball back to the cowboys with enough time like you kept the ball away you ran the ball efficiently and the throws that had to be made were made yeah and, and you know that's the thing like um Le'Veon bell what I love about him the most is the fact that, you know, he does he does catch a lot of balls, too, yeah. like, you know, out of the backfield. Um, and that's what, like, that was what the Jets did more with him than having him just run the rock. Because um, if, if you really look back at it, like, Bilal Powell had a ton of, ton of carries, too. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a big fan of Bilal Powell. Me, too. Me as too. I like he, to call he, he is the ultimate flex RB2, just waiver wire pickup. Yep. Exactly. And 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 but before Le'Veon came, they would throw him the ball, it seemed, every other play that they, they would give Bilal Powell a target. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, that that's, that's really one thing that I like about what Adam Gase is doing with the offense. Um, there's a lot of flexibility mm-hmm. um, that that's one thing that I'm hoping that he continues, but like, you know, like I said earlier, it, 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 
it does get vanilla at times. Like, especially like in the bad losses that we had in the beginning of the season, you know, it felt like he really wasn't opening up the playbook truly. What was the reason for that? What do you, do you think it was because Darnold wasn't getting the playbook? You had so much turnover and who was playing quarterback? Well, yeah, I think it was who was playing quarterback. I don't think he trusted Luke Falk. I mean, would you? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> listen, man. He, he couldn't throw. He couldn't throw the ball into the ocean if he was on a boat. Yep. That guy is brutal. Yeah. Yeah, he was thrown into a rough spot, but he he is not a. No, he's not it. He's not. <laughs> like God bless his little soul, but no. Yeah, poor guy. He's probably selling used cars right now. He's probably making more money doing that too. Um, <laughs> so uh, the running back room as it stands right now, Bilal Powell is no longer there. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is your starter. They say the backup is going to be Trenton Cannon, then LaMichael P. Ryan, then Kenneth Dixon. What What do you think the running back room is going to look like in terms of hierarchy? Um, I think you pretty much nailed it. Um, Trenton Cannon, though, um, I wouldn't be shocked if they use him more as like a kick and punt returner. Because okay. that was... That was generally like his role last year. Um, Perrine might really get uh, more of a shot than we think. I, um, I, I think P. Ryan will finish the season as the second running back on, on, on the depth chart. You know, we'll find out. Um, we'll see what happens in camp. Um, even, well, if there is a training camp. Yeah. I, God knows what's going to happen with this whole COVID-19 crap. And that's so, why, and that's kind of why I decided to do this project about all 32 teams. But it's, it's, it's a little odd because the draft happens and we're talking about these teams and there is going to be an NFL season played, but we don't know what that's going to consist of. We don't know how normal it's going to be. We don't even know if it's going to start on time. So yeah, we don't. I, I doubt there are going to be fans there. That's going to be weird. So and, and, and see, I I used to not think that, but now seeing how long this has lasted, I, I've I've kind of come around to your line of thinking. I was thinking, yeah. okay, football is going to be the first season that plays a regular one with people there. Da, 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 da. But now that everything is still being drawn out, and there's only two states that are like actually open right now, Georgia and Texas. So I just yeah. I. I I'm having a hard time actually believing that we will play in a regular NFL season. Yeah, you know what? Like, it's either way, it's going to be bizarre. Um, I, I just wonder when I'm going back to, you know, work. Because, yeah. you know, like I said, I'm a school custodian. I'm, you know, I'm stuck here in limbo. It's like, why not just have me go in and sanitize that bad boy? It just, at least once or twice, just to keep, you know, people that do because even there even though there's no kids in schools you got teachers there doing planning days you got administrators writing press releases you know like there's still shit for you to be able to yeah. do well uh apparently everything is all locked down they're not letting the teachers in they're not letting anybody in everything is all locked up with that so it must be a furlough are, are you are you furloughed um yeah, yeah, I guess you can say that. Yeah, cause, I'm not um, getting any pay right now, so. Yeah, because our manager at the valet, uh, he's he, he's furloughed just like we are. And I asked him a question about work the other day, and he said, I can't legally answer that question. I'm furloughed. I don't, I don't work for the company anymore, so you're going to have to e email HR. And I was like, that's kind of Yeah. Shit. Okay. Yeah, it really it sucks. It really sucks. Yeah, it does. The, fir the first two weeks of this was cool to be able to get a break and sit at home and catch up on some things, but now it's starting to get old.
Yeah, no, I feel you on that, man. I feel you on that. I'm I'm still getting used to having to wear a face mask everywhere I go because that's uh, New York State law now. So. God. See, we don't we don't have that yet, but I'm not even really going outside all that much. Um, yeah, for the, for the 20... only to the only to the gas station and the supermarket. You yeah, know, those are the two places I've been. I went and worked with my parents for a few days, but other than that, I, I'm really not going many places. Just trying to get the curve to lower down. You know, trying to reopen as quick as we can so everybody needs to stay at home. Um, yeah, be a home. So your home opponents for 2020. We don't have the schedule yet in order, but we do have the home and away opponents. You got your three division games: Buffalo, Miami, New England, and then Denver, mm-hmm. Las Vegas. Arizona, San Francisco, and Cleveland. Decently tough home schedule for the Jets. Yeah, you know, that's um it's gonna be a tough home schedule. But listen, I mean, the way I see it with the three divisional opponents, those all three now are gonna be up for grabs because yep. you gotta look at New England. The fact that Brady is gone, the division is up for grabs now Walk more than ever. Open. Buffalo has a slight edge, but it's not Buffalo's not a consistent enough team to where we can write them in. Exactly. I mean, right now, if you really had to ask me, I think they're the favorite to win the division. But really, um, I think we can do all right with our uh, home opponents. Like Arizona, we could win. Uh, Cleveland, I think we could beat them. Um, Really, like, it... if you had to ask me for a prediction on what the Jets are going to do this year record-wise, I'd have to tell you, like, we're probably at least going to be better than 7-9. and nine. I-, I see maybe 8-8, eight and 9-7. Eight, and seven. I have 7-9 um, and 8-8 eight and eight written down right here for mine. Yeah, I- I'm thinking 9-7. and seven. Um, Like I said, I think the division is going to be up for grabs. If you can win... Like, if we can win one of the, like, you know, if we can beat New England once and, and just break even against all those teams, we'll be fine. We'll be I, fine. I always tell people, uh, because the question that I'm asking everybody in on on these things, especially because I'm a biased Falcons fan, um, <laughs> I think that the toughest division in the NFL is the NFC South, and it's not even close. So oh, and it's been I agree with you. And 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 to me it's been this way for the past 10 years because of the introduction of Cam Newton and Matt Ryan and and, and all these division powers and now that Tampa Bay is really good. My mindset as a Falcons fan going into every year even with the bad teams like Carolina and Tampa Bay quote unquote you still want to be able to split with them because splitting the division almost means that you win it. Yeah, yeah. And really, like I said, I think the AFC East is going to be a real dogfight. The only team I really don't see contending is Miami, because I don't think they're going to start Tua right away. I think they're going to go with Fitzpatrick. um, And if they start, you know, sucking it up, then they, you know, then they can go to Tua. You know, I I don't see them as a threat. Um, Until proven otherwise, even with Stidham at quarterback, um, I still worry about New England. Um, but right now, uh, it's going to come down to either one of those three teams, and it could really come down to the wire. Uh, so I'll tell you this. Uh, Stidham played for the Falcons last year in the preseason. Um, Stidham, I don't know if we were just calling whack-ass plays for him or what, but he, he, he seemed to 60% of the time do a designed run. I don't know how that's going to work with Bill Belichick. I don't know. I, I'm still holding out 
judgment to think that New England's going to go and get, you know, Cam Newton or Andy Dalton or somebody. I don't think that they're going to run with Stidham. Oh yeah, yeah. I I just have a really hard time believing they're they're going to run with Joe Flacco or or with with Stidham. Um, I think that if they do run with Stidham, they cannot win the division. I think Stidham is probably a good player, but his style of play does not fit what Billy B and the Patriots run. Um, if Stidham is the quarterback, count them out of the division. Um, which is probably a stupid thing to say because, like you said, until proven otherwise, the Patriots are the kings of that division. I, I do think it is between the Jets and the Bills. I would give a slight edge to the Bills just because I think their roster is a little bitty bit better and because oh, they're well, a little the, bit – the addition of Stephon Diggs. Yes. That, that, that really that, – when I heard that news, like, you know, that, that scared the living crap out of me. I was like, oh, no. I, I, I'm still a little iffy about how a team is like the Buffalo Bills who whose identity hinges on running the football, playing good defense, not really making too many mistakes on offense. I, I'm, gonna, I'm having a hard time believing how Stephon Diggs is going to fit into a system where they don't really throw the ball down the field that much. I know Josh Allen, who was one of my favorite prospects coming out two years ago, I know that he has the, the best arm out of that draft class. He can throw the ball the furthest. I am having a hard time believing that he's going to be able to connect with Stefan Diggs a lot of the time. So I don't think that adding Stefan Diggs is as big as some other people think, even though I love Buffalo. Um, if the Jets would have added Stefan Diggs, that would have been supremely dangerous. Oh, my God. You're not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of guy that I'd take on my team any day of the week. Yep. Um, I feel like the Jets, because I was looking at some of the free agents that are still available, there's not really many wide receivers that are still available. Like, it's just wide receiver is a position in the NFL that we I think we took for granted so often that now there's a shortage of good guys at the position, especially n- number one guys. So yeah. now you ha- you literally have to draft those guys. Unless you're going to... Oh, yeah. You, you know, we got to roll with what we've got now, unfortunately. But, yeah. uh, hey, maybe it'll work out. You know, um, we can turn chicken shit into chicken salad. And, and, and I, I don't think your wide receiver room is chicken shit at this point. I, there, there are still some name recognizable guys, and there are still some really oh, good yeah. route runners. But, like you said, that lack of having a number one really does hurt the confidence of a young quarterback. Yeah, well... Maybe uh, Mims will uh, rise to the occasion or something like that. Um, that That's really my one and only hope. Yep. Um, we've talked about the expectations. We've talked about how we feel about the teams, and, and we're on the same page about that. Um, you, you said your biggest position of need is cornerback and, and secondary. Yeah. Um, well, right now, I don't think safety is that much of an issue. Um, like I said, the Ashton Davis drafting, the fact that we have Jamal Adams, we still have Marcus May. Um, Marcus May might be, uh, one foot out the door here. Um, I don't expect him to be a Jet next year. I'll I'll say that right here now. Um, but yeah, I mean, we did make, um, one interesting move in the seventh round, we traded our uh, last pick away to the Colts for uh, Quincy Wilson, cornerback. That's um, a low-risk, high-reward uh, trade. So maybe he has a breakout year. Who knows? Yep. Um, before we let you go, scrap the playoffs, scrap the records. 
ideally speaking, abstractly speaking, why will the New York Jets be fun to watch this year? Why will they be must-see TV? Well, the foundation is there for success. Um, the defense is incredible. Um, Greg Williams, he's pushed, he's pushed all the right buttons. Um, there, there's really a, there's a lot to look forward to. There's reason to believe. Like I said, last year, going from one and seven to seven and nine, that gives me a lot of hope. It gives me a lot of reasons to be optimistic. It, it lets you know that um, your team is not as bad as they were playing at. Your team can actually play good, and they can string together stretches of wins. Exactly. Like Michael Jordan said, the ceiling is the roof, and it's only up from here. So, you know? Mark Lanzer, I really appreciate, appreciate you coming on. Um, lots of good info about the Jets. Um, the Jets are one of my more favored AFC teams, so I will be watching a lot of them this year. Um, is there anything that we didn't hit that you can think of? No, I think we're uh, pretty much uh, good here. Hey, thank you for having me on. I uh, really appreciate it, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully what's going to be an awesome kick-ass 2020 season for Gang Green. J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 Jets. Jets. Mark, tell us where to find you at. Um, I'm on Facebook.com slash L. M-0-N-3-Y, um, like L-Money with the zero and yeah. the three instead of the A. Um, I do my uh, video blogs there um, during the season, uh, a couple off-season updates. I've been doing the vlogging thing for uh, five years now. And, um, yeah, that's uh, pretty much where uh, you can get me at. Mark, um, I know a lot of the fans will hit you up for Jets-related questions. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find me on uh, Instagram, Cohen underscore Hughes. Find me on Facebook at Cohen Hughes. Just search for my name. And uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. Mark Lanzer, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I really needed a good guy for the Jets, and you came through in great fashion, great interview. I love it. And um, we're good on time. So, ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode number six of the 32 teams and 32 episodes uh, season preview podcast series. Um, this is the New York Jets 2020 season preview. Like, subscribe, rate, do all the millennial things that you do. And uh, we thank you for listening humbly, and we hope you come back and listen to us. Thanks.